God. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all of his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name, let the heart of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Everybody say seek his face always. Now, this morning, I want to continue my series entitled Fearless, and we're looking at the life of David, and, and my prayer for you as we go through this series is that you would live a life that is fearlessly devoted to God, that you will live a life that is fearlessly devoted to the King, <clears throat> that you will live your life with fearless trust. You will live your life with fearless obedience. Now, you might say, does that mean that I should never be afraid? No, 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 no. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing even when you, you experience some fear in your life so that you allow God to fill your life with a sense of purpose and boldness in your life. Do I have some men in the room today? And the truth is, as we look at the life of David, we find something so precious in the life of David. Now, now you understand the story. The story of David is that God is rejecting the king that's already there. His name is Saul. And the reason why God is rejecting Saul is because the Bible tells us that Saul rejected the Lord when he disobeyed the Lord. Listen to me. Partial obedience is total disobedience and the bible tells us that god told saul to do several things and saul disobeyed disobeyed the lord and as a result of that now we find that god says i have rejected saul i have sought for a man with my own heart that has a heart after me listen to me god is always searching for a man god is always searching for a woman God is always searching for somebody who will have a heart after him. Now, the Bible tells us that Samuel now is mourning for Saul because God rejected Saul. And God says to Saul, Saul, how long will you mourn over Saul? Fill your horn and go to the house of Jesse, and I want you to anoint a new king. Saul now is angry. You could see that he's becoming jealous. You, you could see that Saul is changing, and you could see that the stuff inside of Saul starting to come out because why because God looks at the heart and from the heart from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and now Samuel goes to the house of Jesse and when he walks into the house he wants to get this thing done really quick why because he's afraid that if Saul finds out he's going to get killed so so Samuel walks into the house and he sees Eliab Eliab is uh, Jesse's first son and he's tall, he's handsome, he's muscular, he looks like Lewis. I mean, the dude looks like he's got it all together. And the Bible says that Samuel says, surely he's got to be the man of God. He's surely the king. And God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, you're looking on the outside. He said, man looks at the outside, but I look deep into the heart. I'm looking for a man that has has my heart. I'm looking for a man that has my heart beat. I'm looking for a man who has a heart sold out to me. And the Bible says that at that point, God said to Samuel, I've rejected Eliab because he's not a man after my own heart. And so Samuel said, do you have any more sons? And, and, and Jesse brings all of the sons that are in the room before Samuel, seven of them. Now, the, the number seven is a number of completion. And, and so we understand that actually what's happening 
happening is Samuel is looking in the flesh, and he's looking at seven young men who are in the flesh. And then God said, I had enough. I rejected them all. And Samuel said, do you have any more sons in the house? And Jesse said, yeah, I've got this young boy, but he, he, he's, he's surely not going to be the king. You see, Jesse didn't even see that uh, David was worthy to come into the house to, to be part of the celebration. But when Jesse calls for David, David comes into the house. And the moment that David comes into the house, God speaks to Samuel and he says, that's my boy. That's the young man that's going to be the next king. That's the young man who possesses a heart after my own heart. And the Bible says that Samuel broke the flask of oil and he anointed David with oil, which is a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon David and God did a great work in David's life. And now we understand that David had a heart after God, and as a result of that, God chooses David. So now we want to look at what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? What does it mean to be a woman after God's own heart? And last week, we discovered that to be a man, to be a woman with a heart after God means that you trust in God with all of your heart. That you may not understand all the things that happen in your life. You may not understand why you have to go through a valley. You may not understand why you're still sick in your body. You may not understand why God has allowed a trial in your life. You may not understand why you're still sitting in that cave. Why you, might, you have to still face those giants in your life. Whatever it is in your life, you get to that point where you say, God, I don't understand, but I'm still willing to trust you. I don't understand why this is happening in my life, but Lord, I'm willing to trust you with all of my heart. I'm willing to trust you with all of my soul. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to try to understand it. I'm just going to be obedient to you. So you see, when you really truly, truly trust in the Lord with all of your heart, it's translated into obedience. And God says, I love obedience more than I love sacrifice. I love an obedient heart more than I love your money. I love an obedient heart more than I love your sacrifice of time. I love an obedient heart, someone who's willing to obey me. He's willing to trust me. Hey, David, this is the path I'm bringing you down. And even though you don't like it, I'm still bringing you down that path. And I want you to obey me. I want you to trust me. I want you to listen to me. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 13. It says, and God sought for for a man. God is always looking for a man or a woman. God sought for a man. God seeks for a woman. And that man was a man after God's own heart. How did God know that David was a man after his own heart? Because the Bible says David was willing to do everything God told him to do. Now, now, did David disobey? Yeah, there were times. But, but as a whole, in David's life, David was a man of obedience. David was a man that trusted in God with all of his heart and did not try to lean on his own understanding. He didn't try to figure it all out. Now, this morning, I want to reveal to you a, a couple of more characteristics, I believe, of a person that has a, a heart after God. So, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you would touch our hearts again, Lord. <clears throat> God, I pray that you would touch those that are in the cafe. I pray that you would touch those that are in the balcony. Lord, I pray for those that you would touch in, in the main sanctuary and those that are watching via live stream and those that will watch this sermon in weeks to come. God, I pray that you would help us to be people after your own heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, amen. The next characteristic of a person with a heart after God is that that person is an inquiring person. You see, there's one thing that I notice about David is that David possessed an inquiring heart. What do I mean by that? Well, all through the scriptures, you notice that it says that David inquired of the Lord. That David asked the Lord. <clears throat> anytime he got himself into a situation, anytime he faced a major decision in his life, David always went to God first. How often do we go to somebody before we go to God? 
How often we go to the pastor, how often we go to the counselor, how often we go to <coughs> other people before we go to God. But the Bible says that David inquired of the Lord. David made sure that his will was in line with God's will. David always made sure that whatever he did, it was okay with God. This is really important. David always said, God, should I go up and fight this army? God, should I do what you tell me to do? See, David wanted to be right in the center of God's will for his life. I want you to notice 1 Samuel chapter 23. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keliah and looting the threshing floor, he, listen what it said, he inquired of the Lord. He didn't panic, he went to God. And he asked the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Notice what he said. Shall I go up and fight against the Philistine? And the Lord answered, you go and attack the Philistines and save those people. But David's men said to him, here in Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Kiliah against the Philistines' force? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, go down and save those people. In other words, there are going to be times in your life when you're going to go to God, and you're going to ask God, God, should I do this? Should I go there? Lord, how do you want me to handle this situation in my life? And the Lord's going to tell you, I want you to do this. And it's going to be deep down in your soul. Listen to me. There is going to be times when no one else is going to agree with you about what God has told you to do in your heart. Now, I understand that there are people in your life that you trust, people that can hear from God, people that you can ask and say, listen, go with me into the prayer closet so that we can go together to hear the voice of the Lord. But there will be times in our life when we do something that seems to be against everybody else is wisdom. People are going to come to you and say, man, you're crazy. I can't believe that you're selling your house and you're going to be a missionary. I can't believe you're going to launch into the ministry. I can't believe that you're going to give that away. I can't believe that you're going to do that. And friend, they're going to be people that come in your life and they're going to be the naysayers. They're going to tell you you can't do it. They're going to tell you it's impossible. And that's what happened to David. He went to God and God said, I'm with you. I want you to go up and I want you to destroy the enemy enemy and the bible says that the men the soldiers that were around david said we can't do it we're afraid here we can't even take this land how are we going to take that land but the bible said that david had an inquiring heart and the bible says that david went back into the very presence of god and said god did i hear you right and god said yes you heard me right be obedient and go and friend god's still looking for a group of men and women that say god i don't care what anybody else says i'm going to god and if God said that I need to do this, then I need to be obedient. Come on, somebody. He wants trust and obedience in our life. Glory to God. Now, I'm not suggesting that there are not people and counselors in your life to give you wisdom. Because I know somebody in this room that's got a rebellious heart. Scott is going to say, oh, Pastor Steve said, doesn't matter what the pastor says. I can do whatever I want. Yes. Or it doesn't matter what my parents say. I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. God knows your heart. God knew that David could handle it. See, the only way that you can handle that kind of thing in your life is when you're submissive to leadership. David was so submissive. David was so loyal. He was so faithful. God could actually give him place in his hands this wisdom to say, hey, I told you. And if no one else stands with you, know that you know that you know that I still stand with you. I love this, number two, I, I love this about David. David possessed a transparent and honest heart. You know, sometimes we got to learn how to really, really get honest with ourselves and God. Because sometimes we're just not honest with God. You know what, some of us really try to impress God. And sometimes God says, how are you doing? I'm blessed, God. How are you doing, son? I'm blessed and highly favored. God, I'm okay. I can handle this, right? 
Because we want to impress God. Why? Because we want to feel like we've got it all together, that we've got control over the situation. But I love David. If there's one thing about David, David is so honest. David is so transparent. David gets into the presence of God, and he says, God, why is it that I'm still in this situation? Listen to me. Your questions don't knock God off the throne. God doesn't get angry with you when you're honest with God. And so often we can see over and over and over again in the Psalms that David is honest with God. Listen to what David says in Psalms 142. He says, I cried aloud to the Lord. I lifted my voice to the Lord for mercy. I poured out before him my complaint. Before him, I told him my troubles. Wow, that's powerful. David cried to the Lord. I mean, he poured out his heart before the Lord. And listen, we've got to learn how to go into the very presence of God and pour our heart out to the Lord. Oh, man, I, I tell you, some people they know how to complain to everybody else, you know. And it's not bad to tell somebody else that you're going through a problem. But listen to me. After a while, you keep on telling everybody you're going through these problems. And you keep on telling everybody you're going through these problems. After a while, guess what? They're going to avoid you. Here comes sister complainer. Duck, dive. Do everything you can. Because I'm going to tell you the honest truth. People don't like negative people. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not suggesting for one moment that you shouldn't find somebody that you can confide in. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't come to the pastor, and, 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 and I want to cry with you, and I want to weep with you. But friend, there comes a point in your life, there comes a point in my life where I've got to learn how to get into the secret place with God Almighty. I've got to get into the prayer closet. I've got to find God. I've got to find God. I've got to go past the pastor and get to the master I've got to get into my prayer closet and I've got to pour my heart out to the Lord as the Bible says cast all your cares upon the Lord and friend I want to tell you there's a place where we can go before God and God his ears are open to the cries of the righteous and he wants to he wants to hear you cry out to him and say why God he wants you to cry out to him and say how God God my heart is so grieved my heart is overwhelmed when David is running away from his son Absalom he cries out to God. He says, God, I can't do it by myself. And I want you to know you've got to learn how to pour your heart out to God. You've got to learn how to be honest with God. God, I'm unglued. I'm undone, God. I'm afraid, God. I don't know what to do. You see, my mother is one of the most strongest people in my life. My mother's a widow. She had four kids. But my mother taught me how to cry out to the Lord. My mother taught me on Sunday mornings we'd come to church. And I remember my mom used to come. We, we call this, for those that are new, we call this the altar. The, the altar. We, and she'd come right here. She'd come right here. And she'd kneel before God. And man, I'd hear my mom. I'd hear my mom going, God. God, I'm, I'm tired. God, I've got four kids. One of them's perfect. The rest are not so perfect. <laughs> God, I don't know what to do, God. Lord, Lord, I'm tired, God. I'm working 12 hours a day, God. I'm just, I'm trying to make ends meet, God. Lord, you're my father. You're my Abba. You're my daddy. And man, I'll tell you what, she taught me how to get before the Lord and cry unto the Lord. But let me tell you, she also taught me there's a time where you cry unto God. It's a time when you pour your heart, your soul out to God. There's a time you come to the foot of the cross and you leave all that stuff at the foot of the cross and man I watched my mother four foot nothing she would stand up after she cried out to God she laid her burdens before the Lord she learned how to say God here's where I am God and I'm trusting you and she learned how to pray herself through she learned how to cry herself through and she'd get up a widow with four kids one perfect three not so perfect she'd wipe her, she'd wipe herself up she'd look at the world and she'd say now I'm ready come on I'm ready for my giants why because she knew how to get a hold of God and you gotta learn how to get a hold of God for yourself oh man David was a man that was honest with God God loves honesty David said what is the Lord looking for an honest heart and sometimes we're just not honest and transparent with God thirdly David had a thankful heart 
David had a thankful heart. No matter what David went through in his life, David would say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercies endure forever. And I believe that God, he loved David so much because David, no matter what he went through in his life, he was thankful. And I want to tell you something. A thankful heart will transform your life. A thankful heart will transform your attitude. And your attitude will always determine your altitude in your life. And the Bible tells us that we're to give thanks in every situation for this is the will of God concerning us in Christ Jesus. He didn't say give thanks for every situation. He said give thanks in every situation. And David learned the art that when he was facing a giant, he gave thanks to the Lord for the victory before it ever came. David learned that even when he was in a cave, that he would give thanks to the Lord. David learned that even when his son was chasing after him, he gave thanks to the Lord. He had a thankful heart. He recognized that it was the air that God gave them that he was breathing. It was the food that David was given by the Lord that he was eating. Everything that he had, everything that he possessed, everything that he was, it was because God gave it to him. And I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to find five things that you're thankful for. And I better be on that list. I want to challenge you to find five things that you're thankful for. And every morning, I want you to get up and I want you to say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God, that I woke up this morning. I know it's hard for some of you that are over 50 because the first thing you want to do when you get up in the morning is say, ah. Don't do it. Don't let it come out of your mouth, but give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Last week on Wednesday, I was running around. Man, I was so busy. I got on Jericho Turnpike. Man, I'll tell you what. How many of you in this room, you're susceptible. You tend to complain about things. Let me see your hands. The rest of you are lying. You're lying. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I tend to have a complaining heart. I do. I, I tend to complain about silly things. They have no eternal consequences they have no eternal ramifications but I complain so I'm a, I'm on Jericho Turnpike I'm late for an appointment and man there's every demon on the road you know 4:30 stay off the road I'm telling 4:30 Jericho Turnpike man every demon's driving on that road and I start to grumble I start to grumble man I can't believe it you know I grumble you can't see it God sees it, but you can't see it. Because on Sunday morning when you come into the church, hello, how are you? How you doing? Oh, I love you. On the inside, I'm like, oh, I'm not grumbling about you. I'm just grumbling on the inside. I'm just being honest. I, I, tend, to, I tend to grumble before I give thanks. I don't know about you. It's easier to complain than it is to find something to be thankful for. That takes work. But it doesn't take no work to complain. Doesn't take no work to complain about our boss. Doesn't take any work to complain about our husband. Doesn't take any work to complain about our wife. Well, you know what? It's so funny. We seem to see the negative in everything in our life. So I'm driving and I'm late. I'm like, and the Lord struck me with conviction. And I said, please forgive me, Lord. Lord, I am so thankful, God, that I have a car. I'm so thankful, God. For all the good things that you put in my life, how dare I complain? Now, I, listen, we all should pour our hearts out before the Lord. But complaining and grumbling will get you nowhere. See, a complaining and grumbling heart actually is really saying, God, you messed up. God, I don't trust you. God, you have not been good to me. So I want you to take a piece of paper out. I want you to get a pen. I want you to write five things down that you're thankful for. And every day, give thanks to the Lord. This touched the heart of God. David says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto God, the God of gods, for his mercy endures for. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Listen to what he says three times. His mercy. Four times. His mercy. Five times. His mercy endures forever. God loves. God loves a thankful heart. 
no matter what David went through in his life, he could see the mercy of God. And he was thankful for everything in his life. Paul had, and I'm going to leave this up to Pastor Henry. He's going to preach next week. I'm going to leave this up to Pastor Henry to really dig deep into this. But Paul had a Bible-hungry heart. He loved God's word. If you're not convinced of that, read Psalms 119. Oh, man, did he love God's word. He loved the scriptures. He poured his heart into the scripture. He meditated on the scripture. David had a repentant heart. He embraced full repentance in his life. He fully embraced his failure, and he fully embraced God's mercy. That's the difference between Saul and David. Saul made excuses. The men made me do it. David said, no, 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 it was me, God. And he embraced full forgiveness, and that's why he knew the mercy of God. But I think of all the characteristics of David that touched the heart of God more than any other characteristic of David was David was a worshiper. David had a heart of worship. And I want to tell you today that worship goes far beyond singing. Worship goes far beyond showing up on a Sunday morning and clapping your hands and getting excited because the worship leader did a really good job this Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle, and David was a worshiper. There's no one in the Bible that possessed a heart of worship like David. David uncovers for us the very heart of a true worshiper. David unwraps for us the deepest depths of radical worship. David reveals to us the incredible joy that can be found in totally giving ourselves away in worship to God Almighty. David teaches us. David mentors us. David leads us into the very throne room of God and leaves us there in worship. He brings us into the very presence of God who is an eternal king and challenges us and inspires us to go deeper into the very heart of God through passionate, unhindered, unimpeded worship before God because God is worthy of worship. David was far from being perfect. And the truth of the matter is, is that David shows us that even in his imperfection, he knows how to worship God. He recognizes that, that David, and only David, even though he's imperfect perfect in so many ways, only David shows us the pathway to worship like no other human being in the history of Scripture. I think we need to take notice of it. I believe this is the reason why God loved David so much. David understood what God was truly looking for. And Jesus reveals this in John chapter 4 when he sees the Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman says, hey, we worship this way and we worship in this location. And Jesus says, you don't even know who you're worshiping. But God is looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for those that will worship him with a truthful heart. God is looking for worshipers that worship from the depth of their soul and their spirit. And David, he gets that. He understands that. And so David knew something that most people never know. David experienced something that most people will never experience. David tapped into something that many people will never be able to tap into in their life. And that is he gazed into the very presence and heart of God through worship. He touched the very heart of God through his passionate worship. How did David do this? Through a, a heart that was set on fire to worship God through every situation in his life. You see, worship was for David the key into the presence of Almighty. Worship was the key to God's heart. And worship still is the key to God's heart. Some of us say, I want to know the heart of God. I want to experience the heart of God. I want to be in the very presence of God. Friend, God only accepts one kind of heart, a worshiping heart. So what does it mean to be a worshiper of God? God is not looking for anything than worship in your life. Notice, God is really not looking for your money. I know some of you, boy, I watch you. Some of you, when you're giving in the offering, you know, you don't want... 
You see, until God gets your heart, your money's worthless to God. God doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your talent. He doesn't want your ability. What he really wants is your heart. Why? Because when you have a heart of worship, you see everything in your life. You see your money. You see your talents. You see your abilities. You see your time. You see everything that you have. You see everything that you do as an act of worship to God. The Bible tells us whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, everything we do, when we get up in the morning and we go to work in the morning, we can do it with a heart of excellence. We can show the world this is what Jesus looks like. We can take our money and use it to build the kingdom of God. We can take our time, our talents. We could use it to serve the king. Why? Because our heart is in the right place. And so we take everything that we have. As the Bible says, we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable act of worship. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your time. God doesn't want your talent. God wants your heart. And when God has your heart, when God has your passion, then everything you have then becomes a lifestyle of worship to God. God, I do this for you. I wake up in the morning, Lord, and I go to work to provide for my family because I do this for you, God. Lord, I go to work and I work with excellence because I want people to see Something different in my life because I want them to be pointed to you. Lord, I, I use my resources to build the kingdom because I love your kingdom more than I love my kingdom. You see, when God has your heart, he has all of you. That's why Jesus tells us where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And so God first wants your heart. So David worshipped God. Listen to me. I want you to write this down. David worshiped God with all of his heart. So let me ask you a question this morning. Does God have all of your heart? Does God have all of your heart? No, no don't be so quick to say yes. Because in all of our lives, there are, there are hallways and rooms in our heart that we're not allowing God to get into. There's a room in our heart that's been wounded and we want to hold on to that bitterness. And God's saying, give me, give me that room in your heart so that I can heal that bitterness in your heart. Because as long as you've got bitterness in your heart, I can't work through you. I can't work through your life. You've got to let it go. You've got to forgive like I forgave you. You've got to understand I want to do a work, a deep work in your life. Some of you, you've got that room filled with stuff that you don't want to give to God. You've got some habits and you've got some hangups in your life and you don't want to turn them over to God. I talked to one individual this week and they he said, I can't understand why God allows certain things to happen. So I can't understand why God would decide certain things. So I can't give him my whole heart. Friend, you're not going to understand all the ways of God. The ways of God are higher than your ways. His thoughts are deeper than your thoughts. You're not going to understand it. Some of you are not going to understand it until you get to heaven. And I want you to know today God wants every room in your heart. He wants every crevice of your heart. He wants every hallway in your heart he wants you to give him his he wants you to give him all of your heart all of your hurt all of your pain all of your questions and when you do that and you lay it at the feet of Jesus God takes and picks up your heart and here's the wonderful thing about it God takes your heart and he begins to heal your heart he begins to heal the pain he begins to heal the brokenness he begins to heal the rejection he begins to heal the insecurity he begins to heal the, the stress he begins to heal the depression he he begins to heal your heart and then he takes your heart and he puts it back into your chest again and says hey man I love you because you gave me your heart and now I'm going to restore your heart and I'm going to make your heart stronger I'm going to make your heart wiser I'm going to make your heart filled with more glory and honor that's what God does when you give it to him he gives it back to you whole and healed hallelujah pressed down shaken together and running over God wants your heart Just give it to him today. I want you to take your hand just like this. Go ahead. You feel it? It's beating. And give God your heart. God, God, my heart's wounded. God, my heart has questions. 
that, is that what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, he didn't say, listen, come and I'll explain everything to you before you can sign up to be my disciple. He didn't say that. He said, you want to be my disciple, you got to come follow me. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, just come. Just come today. I know you got questions. Every one of us in this room have questions. I know you have failed the Lord. I know you have guilt and condemnation, but you come today, Lord God. I bring my heart to you, Lord. Whatever situation, whatever circumstance, whatever condition your heart is, bring it to God today. And he'll give you back that heart and it will be a heart of worship. Number two, look at me. David worshiped the Lord with all of his might. Oh, man. This is powerful. As I look into the scriptures, I find that David worshiped the Lord with all of his might. David worshiped the Lord with all of his heart. David worshiped the Lord with all of his might. What does that mean? Well, we get a picture of that. When David actually is coming into Jerusalem. See, the Ark of the Covenant was a box made out of acacia wood. And it was overlaid by gold. And inside the box were three things. Aaron's budded rod, the manor, and the Ten Commandments. Those all symbolize something. Ten Commandments symbolize the things that we know we should do, but we cannot do it. Put it in the box. The budded rod symbolizes influence and leadership. Put it in the box. The manna symbolizes daily. God wants to give us what we need. Put it in the box. And the Bible says they put that all in this acacia box overlaid with gold. And then they put a lid on top of the mercy seat. And there were angels, cherubim angels on one side, cherubim angels on the other side. And the Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of Almighty God. And the seat was called the mercy seat. And the Bible tells us that God said to Moses, build me a tabernacle. And there was an outer court, an inner court, and there was a holy place and a holy of holies. And the Ark of the Covenant was in the holy place. Because the Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the love of God. Back then... They needed symbols to lead them to Christ. All of it leads to Christ. And once a year, the high priest used to go behind the holy of holies, go behind the veil, the curtain, and he used to pour blood on the mercy seat. We celebrated this just recently. It's called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And the high priest used to apply the blood to the mercy seat. And then he used to come out and declare the people were forgiven. It was called a day of redemption or atonement. And we know that only Jesus could actually really forgive us of our sins. And Jesus died on the cross and he was that blood that was shed upon the cross. And he took his blood and he went to the throne room of heaven with his blood. And he, he gave it to God and said, God the Father, I shed my perfect blood so that mankind could have redemption of their sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son on the cross. He became the lamb of God who shed his blood so we might have eternal life. What does that have to do with David? David understands. David sees the mercy, the forgiveness the grace, the love of God contained in that box in the Ark of the Covenant. And any time the Ark of, of, of the Covenant was in the very presence of the people of God, they recognized one thing. God was giving them favor. God was forgiving them. The presence of God. See, the Ark of the Covenant symbolized the very presence of God. And because the people of Israel were wicked they were disobedient. Saul led them into that wickedness. The Bible tells us that the Philistines, their enemy, the Philistines represent the devil. Their, their, their enemy was always against them. And, and when the people of Israel were doing right, God was blessing them and they were overcoming their enemy. They were walking in freedom. When they were wicked, when they were disobedient, God allowed their enemies to overcome them, to teach them to come back to God. And the Bible says the Philistines stole the ark of God. They brought it 
into their temple. And there's a whole story about that. I love it. It's a great comical story. You got to read it sometime. And so the Philistines, they're like, we can't keep this ark here because we're cursed. Because, you see, that's the problem. When you worship God without Jesus Christ, you remain cursed. There's no blessing. And they were cursed. So they send the ark back. And now the Bible tells us that David, he's so excited about it, he puts it on a cart. And while they're taking this ark into Jerusalem, one of the priests goes and reaches out to grab it. God strikes him. We could talk about that another day. I'm just telling you, God deserves righteous worship and obedient, trusting worship. And so now the ark now is, is given over to Obed. And the Bible tells us that it was in his house for many months. And, and, and David recognizes anywhere the ark is, there's where the blessing is. So his house is absolutely blessed. David says, we need to get this ark and we need to take it back into Jerusalem. We need the blessing of God. We need the presence of God. We need the mercy of God. We need the forgiveness of God. We need God to be right in the center of our lives. And I'm going to take this ark and put it right in the center of Jerusalem so all the people of God can see the favor of God is back on the people of Israel. And so now they do it according to the way that God described the way that they were supposed to bring the ark into Jerusalem. Now notice, listen, here's what it says. This is so cool. This is powerful. And it was so that when they had borne the ark of the Lord and had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And then David dances before the Lord with all of his might. What are we talking about? Well, David comes into the place where God's presence is now. And David recognizes now the presence of God is back in our lives. Now the presence of God is back in Jerusalem. And David gets absolutely so excited as the worship team comes right now. David gets so excited that the presence of Almighty God is in his presence. That the Bible says that David strips off his kingly priestly robe. And he gets down into his ephod. And David begins to dance before the Lord with all of his might. David gets so emotional. David gets so filled with joy. The realization that God was in his life, the realization that God's presence was back with the people of Israel overwhelmed David to the point that the Bible says that David stripped off his robe and he began to dance before the Lord. Friend, I want to tell you today, there's some of you in this room, you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not an emotional kind of person. When I come and sing before the Lord, I just kind of look around a little bit. I wait for the word of God to come. You know, I, I like to sing him, but I'm really not emotional. I'm not that kind of person. Friend, let me tell you something. I've watched some of you. You're watching the Super Bowl. I've seen some of you at the baseball game. Oh, yeah, you come to church and, and your favorite song is I'll not be moved. You look around. You're uninterested in anything when it comes to worship. You don't raise your hand. You don't sing. You don't clap. You know, David gave us seven words in the scripture to tell us how we're to come into the presence of God. He said, when you come into the presence of God, you bow before the Lord in humility. When you recognize that God is in your house, uh, you shout with a shout uh, of joy and victory. He said, when you recognize that Jesus Christ did something great, you clap before the Lord. You raise your hands and you sing with all your heart. He said, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. And he said, sometimes you got to get so happy in the Lord because you realize that you you were dead. You were lost. You were going to hell. And Jesus Christ died on the cross so you could have eternal life. Hallelujah. And you just realize God has been so good to you. God has been so merciful to you. God has been so forgiven to you. God has been so gracious to you. You can't contain yourself. Hallelujah. And you start to dance before the Lord because the Lord has been so good to you. Hallelujah. Let them look at us. Let them laugh at us. Let them mock us. But only we know what the Lord has done. They 
da David's, David's wife, David's wife looks out the window. She's in the palace because she's got privilege. She's got honor. She didn't even have the respect to come out when she heard that the ark of God was in the presence of God's people. She didn't even have the decency and the respect to come out and stand before the very presence of Almighty God. She looks out the window and she sees her husband dancing before the Lord. David comes in the house and David's wife says, you look like a fool. Don't you know, David, don't you know who you are? You're the king. David, you're supposed to show people that you're in control. David, you're supposed to show people that you're the one that they should look to. David, you should show them that you got it all together. David, you should show them that you deserve to be the king. I can't believe you made a fool out of yourself in front of all them women. And David said, oh yeah? Oh yeah? You think I made a fool out of myself that time? Woman, I'm going to make myself even more undignified. You know, when David started the dance, listen to me, when David started the dance in front of the, the very ark of God, what David was actually doing when he stripped off his royal robe is David said, I'm not the king, he's the king. When David stripped off his robe and he started to dance before the Lord, he was like a court jester. He said, God, I'm just like a joker in your presence, Lord God. I'm just like a pauper in your presence, God. I'm nothing without you, God. Lord, it's you, God. It's you, God. You send the rain, God. You send the seed for the harvest, God. Lord, you send the blessings, God. I'm just your servant, God. And Lord, I praise you and I worship you with a heart of humility. Hallelujah. I love the songwriter who said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I love that song. Listen to the words of this song. Listen as I close right now. When the music fades and all is stripped away and all, and all is stripped away, my robes of righteousness and myself are stripped away. My pride is stripped away. My self-dependent heart is stripped away. And I simply come longing just to bring something of work, something of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you required. You, you got search much deeper within through the way things appear man looks at the outward god looks at the inward you're looking at my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the things that i've made it when it's all about you it's all about you jesus king of endless worth no no one could ever express how much you deserve Though I'm weak and I'm poor, all I have, all, all I have is simply yours. Every breath, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking, you're looking to our hearts. Would you stand? David worshiped God with all of his heart. David worshiped God with all of his might. David worshiped God with all of his abilities. The reason why God loved David so much is because everything that David was and everything that David hoped to be and everything that David had, even his failures, 
even his fears, even his insecurities, he brought to God and said, God, everything belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. He worshiped God with all of his abilities. Every day we go to work and we use all of our abilities. Every day we serve God with all of our abilities. But listen to me. One last thing. David worshiped God with all of his soul. Look at me. Look at me. Our soul. Our soul is the real us. Our soul is how we feel. How we respond. How we react to every situation that happens in our life. And David, listen to me. David sitting in a cave. Saul tried to kill him. David was anointed king. Now he's wondering. He's in a cave all by, all by himself. And yet David says, yet Lord, I will, I will worship you with all my heart. And David begins to worship God in a cave. David's son Absalom. David is betrayed by his son. Absalom is trying to find him to kill his father. And you see David, he's sitting there praising God, worshiping the Lord, believing God that God's going to get him out of this. And even if God didn't get him out of it, David said, God, I'll still give you thanks. If there's one thing you find in the Psalms, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel is the story of David. The Psalms are the mortar in the bricks. You got to read the Psalms along with 1st and 2nd Samuel because the Psalms express David's heart while he's going through whatever he's going through. So David in the ups and downs, in the victorious times and in the valley, there's one thing about David that stands out in all of the Bible is that no matter what David was going through, he worshiped the Lord. He blessed the name of the Lord. He was like Job who said, though the wicked slay me, though you slay me, God, yet I will worship you, Lord God. That's the heart that God is looking for right now. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your questions are. I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know what your failures are. God's saying to you today, I want your heart, and I want you to worship me. I want you to raise your hand now. And I want you to begin worshiping God. In your way, say, God, I trust you. Come on. In your way, God, I trust you. In your way, bring to God your whole life and say, God, I want my whole life to be one act of worship to you, Lord God. In your own way, say, God, Lord, I don't understand why I'm still sick and I don't understand why I'm still going through this situation in my marriage and I don't understand why, Lord God, there are people that are chasing me down and I don't understand why. Why, why, God, all these things are happening, God. But if you notice David, he starts out with a why and at the end he starts out, he finishes off with, but yet, Lord, I will trust you. I worship you, Lord God. Can you raise your hand right now? In whatever situation in, come on, can you raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to worship you, God, with all my heart. Hallelujah.